This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Welcome back to the Comstock channel. My name is Brianne Hendrickson. It is Friday, which means I have Eric with us to discuss the weekly wrap-up. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brianne, on, uh, on a report day even. On a report day, let's go ahead and talk about that. What? Yeah, so just initial rub. Um, I think people were a little more excited for this December report than usual. Normally, the December report is a non-event. There was a lot of anticipation that we were going to see some some bigger changes from the USDA for this one because of the trouble they've been having in Brazil. So there were some expectations there and, and USDA just held true to form, didn't throw us any real curve balls. There were some surprises, but they certainly weren't bullish surprises. So start with the world, uh, grain ending stocks, um, corn, your, your above average trade estimates, you're a little above last month's numbers. So not, not anything to really move the needle, especially in a market that's just been stagnant anyway. Um, soybean stocks, uh, globally a little lower that was expected to be maybe more uh, of an adjustment than what we actually saw and wheat stocks about in line with what we expected so nothing big on the global ending stocks and maybe that's where we expected to see a bigger change and didn't get it so uh, nothing really there to move the needle when we look at the uh production numbers, uh, global production numbers, um, that's where I think we expected to see a, a bigger revision in the Brazilian soybeans. You can see we went from USDA last month printed a 163. They come down to 161 million metric tons this month. So the to me personally, the fact that they made an adjustment in this December report when we really don't know that much about the crop, we, we know there's trouble. We don't know that much about it. The USDA is very slow to react to these situations until there's kind of some proof that we've got trouble. So to me, the fact that they made that revision was a bit of a surprise and and to me a, a supportive factor, but they offset that. They actually adjusted the 2022 production higher by 2 million metric tons, completely offsetting this number, which is why we didn't see the change on the global ending stocks. So they're going back an entire crop year, revising numbers a little higher, offsetting these slightly lower numbers that we see here. However, like I said, to me, this is a little supportive because we are seeing the USDA make a move in December. That usually means we're going to see larger moves later. Obviously, we'll have to wait to January to see if that's going to be the case. Uh, Argentine production uh, didn't move the needle at all, although we do expect those numbers to come up a little bit. Uh, it's not going to be enough to offset some of the situations we're seeing in Brazil. So Argentina, kind of a moot point at this at this juncture, but it will become a bigger deal, especially with regards to the meal market, because Argentina does supply 40% of the global soybean meal. Uh, U.S. ending stocks, uh, nothing really to speak of there. This is not a U.S. report per se. That all happens in January. Um, there's a little bit of usage revisions done. And so you do see slight changes, particularly like in the wheat. That's due to export demand that we've seen over the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, so you're seeing, seeing some of these things shift a little bit, 
But all in all, they don't touch the yield. They don't touch the acres. We see those adjustments in the January report from the USDA. So we'll have to wait a month to see how that plays out. But I, I guess while we're while we're looking at this, I, I have to mention because we don't normally talk about wheat. Um, wheat did have eight consecutive sessions higher leading into today. We did see some profit taking today, so wheat was lower. But that was uh, the largest string of higher consecutive sessions that we've seen in the life of the March contracts in all three classes of U.S. wheat. So that's kind of a big deal. And that was spurred by China making purchases of over a million metric tons of soft red winter wheat from the U.S. in just a week's time on daily flash sales. So kind of a big deal there. We'll have to keep an eye out for some continued purchases. They've been so soggy in China that they uh, they have to outsource some some high protein wheat, some better quality wheat from other places in the world. And luckily they're coming to the U.S. for some of that need. Let's go ahead and get into our normal. Yeah. Starting with corn. So corn was the bright spot for the week. It finished a whole three quarters of a cent higher this week at 485 and a half. Uh, that was unfortunately about the only positive we saw for, for weekly closes this week. Um, but we're starting to see starting to see why the the corn market can't get going. Uh, we knew we had a big carry. We saw that reinforced today with 2.13 billion bushel carry on U.S. ending stocks. Um, that was slightly lower than what we saw in the last print, but not a huge change. So why, why are we seeing this big carry? Well, we had Im immensely more acres than we expected. We're starting to hear chatter of, okay, we know the cattle herd is smaller. How much does that cut the feed demand for corn? And we're still not seeing the export numbers we would like to see. We're just not seeing the big chunks. Uh, and, and there are many marketing years where we have to wait till the March to May timeframe to see those. And, and maybe that's the case. And maybe we will see those down the road still. But um, weekly export sales have been good. And all in all, I would say fairly supportive. But we're just not seeing those big chunks, daily flash sales, a million metric tons here and three million there. And, and maybe we will as we move towards the spring time frame. Um, but the big, the big carry, the large acres last year, that's starting to really draw some focus to what are we going to see for next year? Uh, initial numbers are showing something like a drop to 87 million acres. I don't, I don't think we're going to see that. Um, corn belt growers like to grow corn. And so I, I think we're going to, we're going to get into another situation here where we have a surprise where we don't see the reduction and, it, you know, we're seeing a lot of field work, a lot of anhydrous going down. And I, I don't know that we're going to see the cut that we would. And we're, we're past due for a trend line yield. Uh, we haven't had one in six years and trend line this year would be 180. We're dealing with a 173 and a half from last year and we're at a 2.13 billion bushel carry. So that's not going to be not, not going to be a good situation if we have more acres than we think and we happen to make it to trend line yield and Brazil doesn't have a lot of trouble for the remainder of the soybean season impacting their safrina corn because that is the export corn market. So a lot of balls up in the air, but you can definitely see why the corn's been struggling. Kind of on that note of corn and we're about to go into soybean. My big question for this is, are you a little worried because CONAB, which is Brazil's version of the USDA, did cut their projections 
down on Thursday. Is that kind of a worry with everything? Yeah. So the fact that the USDA isn't coming around, we're, we're seeing, obviously, CONAB is there. It's it's what they do. Um, and, and so they're, they're starting to come around a little better. Private estimates are really low as far as Brazilian production. And the USDA is not recognizing it. And that goes back to what I said with regards to them making any kind of a trim on this December report. They're very slow to come around with this stuff. So the fact that they did something to me is fairly supportive. Now, if the USDA starts coming around and say we see a CONAB type number next month, and then we see some of these private estimate type numbers in February and March, now we're taking what was a 163 last month down to a 157 or 155. I'm not saying it will be that low, but if the troubles continue and some of these private estimates are realized by the February or March timeframe, we could be in the mid 150s. Combine that with Argentina, you're still going to have record South American production, but it's going to be a lot lower than the numbers we're looking at in these USDA figures today. Go ahead and switch over to soybean. Not a good week. No, not a good week. Down 21 cents on the week at 13.04. The only bright spot technically I can say is that we did hold above $13 to finish the week. Uh, We have traded over a dollar lower since making, uh, I think, third week in November. We made recent highs. Uh, January contract takes out like a dollar six from that mark. March is down over a dollar. That's enough negativity that we should have some of these bigger productions priced in. And now it's a matter of, do we continue the trends? And if we do, then we're probably too cheap. And so what are we priced at right now? Don't know, but hopefully hopefully we're priced for something lower than what we're, something higher than what we're actually going to get. Those production numbers come in lower, then we can get the market moving higher. Um, the Brazilian bean production was the big number being watched today. Unimpressive. Uh, Rain's looking to move into the bulk of the growing region in Brazil by mid-month. So basically by the end of next week, we should see uh, rainfall coming in according to the current forecast. We've seen two, three times already here in the last six weeks where they have these major rain events forecasted. And just like happens in the U.S. too often, you get closer to it, they start pulling that moisture out, and then it doesn't come to fruition. So that'll be where everybody's focus is for the next week or so. All right, let's move to livestock. They did not have a good week. No. We will start with cattle. Yeah, so the cattle market is, I I feel like we could probably do about a 30-minute video and podcast just focused on the cattle market right now and still not cover the bases. There are a lot of angles to look at here, but the nuts and bolts of it for this week, we did have a nice finish today. Today should start a seasonal trend higher. We we see this virtually every year where cattle will trend higher from somewhere around the first week of December uh, to the first week of January. So hopefully we're, we're going to carve some kind of a temporary bottom here and we will follow that seasonal pattern. However, we did finish the February contract this week down $3 and 40 cents at one sixty-five seventy-two. Um, that, and that's being up $3 today. So prior to today, we were down $6 plus for the week. So definitely not impressive there. Um, feeder cattle cash continues to slide. We saw the cash index lose something, uh, close to a dollar a day this week. And I had some firsthand reportings of, of cattle being sold, 
through the central U.S. and uh, Carthage, Missouri. Um, it, it was it was ugly, um, and it continues to be ugly. Packers have the upper hand in every way. Um, they're importing beef. They're importing cattle. They're feeding longer. Carcass weights are record high. We've got a 936-pound average steer carcass at the packing plant right now. It's just monstrous. And until we start to see those weights come down, until we start to see heifer retention, I, I don't know what is going to trigger this thing to really make a move higher. But one thing that I guess I would say is that cash right now, we're 171 live, 271 dressed. That's going to end up being like $4 lower than last week. But prior to this year, 173 was the highest we had ever traded cash. So we're still just barely off of all-time highs prior to 2023. So it's not like it's a disaster when you look at a bigger picture, but this is uh, this is definitely painful for anybody feeding cattle right now, especially if you paid some of these highest prices for feeders. Let's go over to hogs. Yeah, if you think the cattle market's bad, uh, hogs are just painful. Um, and, and we talk about it week in and week out. And I, I don't know how we're going to break the cycle on an animal that can regenerate so quickly. So the supply is just available so fast. And, and anytime there's a little hint of a shortage, then, then we can recoup that in a hurry. Um, what, what has amazed me through this is that we haven't seen a big elevation in pork demand, despite the price of beef for months. Uh, the fact that we, we haven't somehow had some compensatory purchasing to, to fill the gap is just astounding to me. But, um, hogs finished the week a dollar 12 lower in the February contract. You're back below $70. And I'm hearing cash hogs going in the forties. Um, even in Eastern Iowa and, and it's, it's nasty. Um, heard what Smithfield canceled like 26 contracts with growers. Um, so if we're, if we're starting to see more reportings of things like that, then, you know, we're, we're looking at another 1998 if we're not careful. And I, I, I remember that. I remember a lot of hog buildings going up in the mid nineties and they've been sitting vacant since the late nineties. So I don't know how this changes. I don't know what triggers it, but we definitely need something. Uh, this week we took, took back last week's gains. Hogs were kind of a bright spot last week. Um, they traded up, hit a gap level, found some resistance there. Technically you're still seeing some ebb and flow in the market, but the cash is just continues to struggle. Um, I don't know what the timing will be. I've said all along, I think by late spring, early summer, we should have something better. But if the Packers can play the game like the, like they have in the cattle, and compensate for some of this supply problems on the horizon, then uh, we we may not have as as bright a future as I had hoped by that time frame. Talking about livestock on the twenty second, there mm. are reports coming out. Will that yeah. help any, or do you think that will just be more negative to the you pot? Know, I think the hog and pig could help. Um, I think the cattle on feed probably won't. I think it's a little too early yet. Um, it shouldn't be too bad. It shouldn't be a, a bear like we saw two months ago, but 
you know, that's, that's a big day for, for protein in general, because you've got uh, cattle on feed, hog and pig and cold storage all coming out at 2 PM that day. And so, you know, it's good to start talking about that now because that also is preceding a three day weekend. And so we, we could come out of that holiday weekend after Christmas and, and who knows what we're looking at there. Um, cold storage, I believe should be supportive because I don't know how they're able to throttle back chain speeds and keep this thing in check without having to dip into the reserves. So I got to think there's going to be some kind of reduction in the cold storage numbers that would be helpful that, that should offset some of these live deals that we've been battling along the way. Overall negative, positive week. Um, you know, overall, I would say negative. Um, no, no doubt. I mean, when, when your bright spot is corn up three quarters of a cent, um, that, that's not a good week, but I, I would also add that if, uh, if the stock market continues in a positive tone and you're, you know, you had a good jobs report today, some of these bigger factors. And, and I think we've moved past where good news is bad news because it, it had been, okay, you got a positive jobs report. That should be good. However, that just means more rate hikes by the Fed. So then that's bad, right? Uh, now I think you're, you're, you're back to a place where good news is good news. And we saw a positive jobs report today, stock market kind of came alive. The one thing that kind of hurts us on the commodity side is when you see things like that and you see money flowing into higher risk assets, you see money being drawn out of, of uh, safe havens like gold and bonds. And, and so then you get this negative undertone in the commodities. But uh, all in all, I think the economic feel is a little better and cattle will be a winner in a, in a good economic vibe. And so hopefully we've found a short-term bottom there. So for the sake of the cattle, I feel a little better, although this week was a struggle. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much. All right, Brian. Take care. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.